truest of good days, cats and kittens. And thanks to one and all for joining Arkham and myself as we wrap up another week here on Discontent Provider. The podcast that isn't superstitious per se, but was a little perturbed by the death of a former Labour Party Chancellor of the Exchequer yesterday afternoon. Celebrities are supposed to die in threes, dash it all. And we'd already seen Kissinger, the bloke who played Jimmy Corkill off of Brookside, and Shane McGowan shuffling off their respective mortal coils in a 24-hour period. So Mr Alistair Darling's unpardonably late departure seemed, if nothing else, rather bad form on the part of the Grim Reaper. No disrespect is intended to Mr Darling here, I hasten to add. It's simply a matter of first come, first served, or rather last come in this instance. I'm not suggesting for a moment that there should be some sort of hierarchical approach to posthumous celebrity or or questioning his right to the status of deceased notable. Quite the contrary, in fact. It's not for a one-eyed folky and a lurcher to litigate the relative cultural significance of the recently departed quartet. Some people couldn't give a tuppenny fuck for folk rock, while others are equally indifferent to the charms of soap opera. Yet others abound whose interest in politics is minimal to non-existent, so ranking the four is as impossible as it would be distasteful. How can one compare having rock and roll's greatest teeth serving as Chancellor of the Exchequer for three years, portraying a roguish Liverpudlian heroin addict, and trotting around the world leaving increasingly gory footprints in one's wake in the pursuit of diplomacy and American political and economic interests. Well, well, we, we should note that it seems unthinkable in today's political climate that a British Chancellor should stay in office for three years, so Mr Darling deserves some props for that, it can't be denied. But on the whole, no, it can't be done. All we can say with certainty is that four people of consequence tumbling off their various perches in a 24-hour period has absolutely given the sacred rule of three a nasty knock from which it may never recover. Are people going to start saying, oh aye, well, they always die in fours, don't they, celebrities? The only way to preserve this long-standing tradition and prevent people from doubting one of the few eternal verities that our increasingly baffled society has would be for two more significant people to, uh, to, to cough it by midnight tonight. Then it could be argued that two sets of three renowned punters had hopped the proverbial twig in two days, thus restoring our collective faith in some sort of system or of a natural order. And with the unsettling notion that I've essentially asked the universe to unleash a celebrity bloodbath, and the even more unsettling thought that if it happens, it will be to those whose famous faces are least deserving of gracing the obituary columns, let's crack on, shall we? I was struck frightfully hard by the coverage of the late Dr Kissinger's passing yesterday. While much was made, and how could it not be, of his incredibly influential career, I don't think I've ever heard a political figure being assessed so objectively. In the usual run of things, even the grisliest of shitfuckers are treated to an all but unbroken firecracker chain of panegyrics upon their uh, national or global importance, their surprisingly innocuous hobbies, when he wasn't drinking the blood of his opponents, Generalissimo so-and-so was an avid collector of vintage film fun annuals, and their integrity and dedication to whatever cause or mission it was that propelled them into the annals of history. 
Indeed, the custom, for as long as I can remember, was always to hand wave pretty much any sort of genocidal beastliness or economy-collapsing ideological fanaticism with phrases like, on occasion, a controversial figure, or, and even though she had her critics, ultimately they all respected Mrs Thatcher. Naturally, uh, things, and more importantly people, being what they are, the sacrosanct belief that one shouldn't speak ill or even vaguely critically of the dead, generally dissolves soon enough, and the agonising reappraisals and hatchet jobs come out before the, uh, the ballyhooed body is cold enough to help preserve a tub of ice cream. But the, uh, the first 24 hours are usually so deferential it's sickening. Yesterday, however, was a little different. Right off the bat, Kissinger's flaws, his mistakes and his outright fuck-stumpery were discussed by most pundits as much as his perceived triumphs and accomplishments. As much was said of his involvement with the prolonging of the Vietnam War as was said about his receiving the Nobel Prize for ending the damned thing, for example. And likewise, no bones were made about his support of a monstrous regime change in Chile or his complicity in the carpet bombing of Laos and Cambodia, even as his work in bringing about the end of the Israeli-Egyptian war in 1979 was rightly praised. Why this break from protocol then? On the face of it, it appears to be as unseemly as four celebrities dying in a single day. It's just not done. And in a country where pointing out that something simply isn't done is still rather strangely like stating some immutable natural law, such a departure from established form raises an eyebrow, do it not? I suppose it must be because Henry Kissinger had never died before. Yes, other global bigwigs had died and careers other than his have spanned 60 years or so, but I can't think of anyone I've known of during my lifetime who had that much impact on the world for that long. Some might say that the late Queen was rather a big deal, and certainly I'd expect many more people would recognise her picture than they would Dr K's, but quite aside from the fact that she didn't, so far as I'm aware, sign off on mass slaughters, or even if she did, it's a safe bet that the British establishment would, even with her safely entombed, keep that little tidbit very much on what I'm reliably informed is called the DL. No, Kissinger's career was an extraordinary one, both in longevity and in terms of its far-reaching effects. It is, and this is more to the point, also unique, I think, in being the only one of its type to have been fully played out in its entirety in front of the mass media. Others who have played with the destinies of millions, for good or ill, mostly for ill, have of course done so before the gaze of the TV cameras and whatnot, but not for 60 fucking years. Even though the spotlight rarely fell upon him to a great extent as he closed in on his century, Kissinger's was still a name that cropped up from time to time in the news. If he went somewhere, it was noted by the press. If he talked to somebody, it was still the subject of speculation. It's impossible to become a hero under some, such uh, intense observation. Whatever somebody might do, the gaffes, the grifts, the greatness, it generally comes out in some form at some point. So small wonder that Kissinger's life has been discussed so frankly yesterday. It occurred to me that perhaps the closest figure there could be to him might be Winston Churchill, certainly in terms of uh, you know, being in the halls of power and on the global stage for a comparable period of time. 
The key difference is, of course, that Winnie's early career took place before the invention of mass media, so all many people know of him is that he was a speechifying wartime PM who looked like a bulldog, yet for all that pretty much won World War II single-handedly, an image fostered by propagandist newsreel clips that can still be viewed today. His misogyny, his racism, his appallingly callous attitude towards strikers, hunger marchers et al. These are either willfully ignored or are simply uh, things that those that lionise the chap have no clue about. Kissinger, who was born in time for his early forays into politics to have coincided with the birth of the uh, phenomenon of broadcast television, wasn't so lucky. He was among the first of the politicians of the TV age, and once that baleful cyclops has you spotted, the chances of escaping its all-seeing eye are remote, to say the least. Is this a good thing, one wonders? Well, I'd say that inasmuch as it can perhaps do away with the Canton hypocrisy involved in giving any warmongering psychopath a, pre, a free pass just because their ticker has stopped ticking, it could be. People should undoubtedly see the great and the good, warts and all, eh what? On the other hand, if the more gruesome and despicable ghouls that currently infest our world's power sphere are aware that such will be their fate once they have transcended this veil of tears, they might shrug off any genteel illusions of leaving a legacy or being remembered as a great statesperson and go all in, balls deep, in making said veil a dash sight more tearful. After all, what have they got to lose? Take the fucking gloves off and give the plebs what for. Enjoy the money and power for as long as you have it, and let the talking heads of tomorrow say what they will. A distinctly unpleasant thought, whether applied to uh, those contemplating genocidal atrocities in the Middle East, or to Vladimir Putin as he prepares to wage war on the LBGTQ plus community in the guise of defeating some imaginary gay globalist cabal. Whilst it's doubtful that having people say nice things at their funerals is uh, all that much of a prophylactic against them doing their abominable worst, perhaps there is something to be said for a spot of funereal restraint after all, podcast pals. And speaking of death, it's high time we hammered in the final nail to this week's coffin with a song at the end. So before we do that... Can my black and white buddy and I prevail upon you to like, share and subscribe to Discontent Provider? Because, you know, if, if you don't, it's just a weird bloke talking to a dog in the middle of the countryside. Don't forget, you can follow us on the, the X. We're at Foxy and Arkham, or just search for Discontent Provider, and Mr Musk's dutiful drones will point you in the right direction. Uh, while you're busy doing that, then, we'll slip off, I think. So, from Foxy and Arkham, then... Cheerio. The light's going dim and my heart beats as slow. It seems that my long journey's done. And as I prepare now to lay down my load, how will people feel when I'm gone? Will they rent their garments and wail in the streets? Will they laugh and party instead? At the end of the day, I don't care what they'll say. I won't give a shit when I'm dead. I did my poor best, and if they weren't impressed, they'd simply never understood. 
I did what I did for my own benefit And to hell with any greater good If corruption and murder are how I'm remembered I'll smile as I go to my grave When all said and done I was rich and had fun While they still live to suffer and slave There's nothing ahead of me Set oblivion, darkness and quiet Is there life after death As I draw my last breath I can't say that I'd really buy it They couldn't defeat me Impeach or unseat me From my blood-stained and solid gold throne But if I'm mistaken I'm certain that Satan will embrace me as one of his own.